Hello and welcome to the Mountain Conversations Marine Series, brought to you in collaboration with the Marine Conservation Society, the UK charity fighting for a cleaner, better protected and healthier ocean, one that we can all enjoy. The marine environment is a fascinating one, home to the smallest and largest of all living creatures. It's also a vital resource for all life on Earth. During each episode in this series, I'll be chatting with an expert from the marine world who will share their passion and knowledge with you, along with their insights on what we can all do to help our seas thrive in the future. This is a show about hope and positivity, and it's my hope that by learning something new in each episode about the work of amazing people who dedicate their lives to making a difference, you'll be inspired to take action and get involved in the efforts to preserve our beautiful home, planet Earth. I'm Charlie, and this is Mountain Conversations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mountain Conversations Marine Series, a collaboration with the Marine Conservation Society. In this episode, I chatted with Dr Francesca Bevan, chemical pollution specialist, about a new campaign that has been launched this week which aims to raise awareness and mobilise the public to take action against ocean chemical pollution. I'll admit this is a topic I knew very little about, so I was keen to have the conversation and learn so I can do my bit to spread the information. We did have a couple of technical glitches, you know what the internet can be like, but it's an important conversation and it's vital we start talking about it. Hi Francesca, thanks so much for joining me today. No worries. Thank you for having me. Uh, can we start by um, you introducing what it is we're going to talk about today? Yeah, sure. So um, I thought it'd be good to talk about chemical pollution um, in general. Um, I know a lot of people know a lot about plastic pollution, but uh, quite a few people don't realise that there are other types of pollution. And then specifically a group of chemicals called PFAS or forever chemicals. Okay, brilliant. I mean, yeah, I'm one of those people that sort of knows about plastic pollution and talks about plastic pollution and things, but the chemical side of things is not really, you know, I, has, I haven't really done a lot of research. And as as I quite like with these episodes, I don't know anything about the subject, so I haven't done any research prior. So hopefully I can sort of get into the questions that I think the audience might want to sort of know if that's okay with you. Um, but first off, as I do with everyone, um, I really want to know sort of about you personally sort of where you are now how you got to be where you are what have you always been interested in sort of nature and the ocean and things and what's your journey yeah so my journey is a bit of a different one I think um, my my whole academic life was uh, chemistry Uh, so I did a bachelor's master's and PhD all focused on um, chemistry Um, and I've loved the sea since being tiny my bedroom was covered in dolphins and I had all sorts of posters and whatever growing up and I never I didn't really think I could link the two together in my career and then a job at the Marine Conservation Society came up that was calling for a chemical pollution specialist and it was like all my dreams came true in one go and I could uh, I could use my sort of chemistry brain and my all my chemical knowledge but you in the, the marine conservation Mm-hmm. well that's brilliant uh, so it's amazing that you actually got the chance to sort of combine the two I think there's very it's, it's quite rare that you can combine all of your passions into one 
definitely, definitely yeah. yeah do you do any kind of I mean are you a sea swimmer or a diver or, or are you a observer of the sea no yeah I'm a, I'm a diver scuba diver. I haven't been for a while unfortunately um but yeah I've uh, I used to dive quite a lot uh, around the UK even though even though it's cold it's uh, <laughs> probably my favorite place to dive yeah well I've got um I've got a friend um who lives locally to me and she um snorkels um around the Norfolk coast and it's like the things you just I think you kind of think oh it's the UKC you know I mean this is how I used to think not now but you know it's the UKC there's not a lot going on and then you see these pictures that she comes up with and they're just so amazing of all the bioluminescent creatures and yeah and the different like seaweed species and stuff it's just so fascinating it does also make me because I, I swim a lot in the sea it does all, all, always make me rethink like mm, how far out do I want to go I'm definitely wearing shoes that kind of <laughs> No, definitely. Well, I saw a dolphin. I swam with a dolphin once in in Cornwall. So then that that sort of solidified my love for the for the UK coast. Oh no, that'd be that'd be beautiful. I mean, I was sat on Cromer Beach yesterday with a friend, um, and there was some swimmers in the water, and they they didn't they hadn't noticed that there were some seal seals that were just sort of getting quite close and we were just sat watching thinking how long is it going to be until they notice this seal appear and they did and they were both like (laughs) it was quite funny I just didn't expect to see them so close to sort of chrome appear and yeah so it's quite quite nice anyway right let's get into it before we chat about seals all day um your job to start with let's start let's start basic with with sort of who what what you do and what what is it that you do within the marine conservation society okay so yeah, my job title is policy and advocacy manager for chemicals which is quite long-winded and quite a mouthful but i also go by chemical pollution specialists so um i work in quite a small team at the marine conservation society the clean seas team and we work on all pollution, all aspects of pollution. Um, so there's only three of us at the moment, but we we work on um, plastics, microplastics, sewage, um, you know, any any sort of pollution you can think of. And then I work specifically on chemical pollution. So generally, industrial um, household kind of chemical, you know, th- things that you would have in your products. Um, things that are making their way into the marine environment um those sorts of chemicals okay so when you're talking about these these chemicals that are making their way into the environment I'm I'm trying to yeah I'm trying to keep it sort of super basic right now and just because I I imagine like like me a lot of people haven't really thought about the chemical chemical pollution problem so what is it that you are sort of seeing what's going into the ocean what's what's the problem so yeah, to explain the problem with chemical pollution, I think it's good to use an example because a lot of people will think of, um, you think of chemical pollution, you might have in your mind like a green fluorescent toxic waste type type situation all flooding out into the sea. And, and quite often, actually, these, these chemical pollutants are completely invisible. Um, so I use an example of one group of chemicals um, that w- we work on at MCS called PFAS. And they are a massive group of different chemicals um, and they're used in all sorts of products from your nonstick pan to your waterproof coat um, to firefighting foam and electronics. They're used all over the place Um, and they can enter the environment at all sorts of different stages. Um, So they can enter during manufacturing. They can enter um, when you're using the product or if you're 
washing your nonstick uh, your nonstick pan or your waterproof coat or anything like that the the water is going down the drain out to wastewater treatment where unfortunately at the moment they're not removed these PFAS chemicals out into the environment um, and then obviously when you throw your items away they can end up uh, in the environment then as well um, and they are used in so many different products and they have so many different routes into the environment that it is such a it is such a big problem just just when you look at that one right so that i think that's really um that's quite scary as just someone who's maybe just a consumer who uses quite a lot of the things that you've just mentioned and stuff you just don't think of the impact it has when you're stood here sort of at home <clears throat> it's it's really it's really easy to forget the impact that you're having on <clears throat> the sea which is potentially miles and miles away um is there any reason why it's not getting sort of filtered out or is it just is it too difficult is it too expensive or it's very difficult so the the nature of these chemicals is um generally the the only way to destroy them is to heat them to very high temperatures and some research has come out recently actually to suggest them there may be an alternative um but generally you have to incinerate these chemicals and to in order to you'd have to filter them out and then obviously heat them to a thousand degrees centigrade to to break the bombs and then um, destroy them mm. but that then leads to air pollution and there's lots of other things associated other problems associated with that but generally it's just yeah capturing them is one difficult and then also um, what you do with them afterwards to ensure that you're not just pushing the problem along um because we, we see this as well with um microplastics in water and a lot of them get captured in the majority of microplastics get captured into then quite frequently sewage sludge gets spread on land and then as a fertilizer and then the microplastics are just back in the environment again so it's not you know you've not actually solved the problem you've just put it along mm-hmm. yeah no it's i understand it's extremely sort of complex but just to give people an idea what are these sort of these chemicals if and when they eventually get to the sea what is the what what do they do what's the problem that they cause to the marine life to the actual water and the what's in there so the biggest the biggest concern with these PFAS chemicals is they're what we call persistent so they don't break down in the environment they that's why they get their nickname forever chemicals Mm. um so anything that persists anything that doesn't break down and remain in the environment is a problem because if you add more and more to it you are a building that is in the environment so we, we can see this visually with plastic but it is happening with other things other invisible things these pfas um substances and the problem the problem is that with anything any chemical you eventually reach what we call a toxic threshold this is a, a point at which harm will occur so with when something is sticking in the environment ever if you add more and more and more to it we're always getting closer to the point where harm is caused Mm. Um, so there's already been a lot of studies done on um, several different marine mammals um, they've shown to cause neurological impacts in polar bears and um, they affect the immune function and kidney and liver function of, of bottlenose dolphins and there's there's lots of individual studies on different animals and different species and 
how it affects sort of ecosystems but overall the the problem is sort of is much bigger in one sense in that it it is everywhere on earth and a, um, a scientific article came out a couple of weeks ago saying that rainwater all over the world is contaminated with these PFAS and they're at levels that wouldn't be considered safe to drink by certain countries mm -hmm. um, so they're basically saying that rainwater everywhere from the arctic to the antarctic everywhere on earth is contaminated with these chemicals well that's terrifying isn't it so so you're saying that sorry my my sort of knowledge of chemistry and stuff is not is, isn't I don't have a knowledge of chemistry, let's just put it there. Um, so when when the water sort of, you know, evaporating from the sea and heading up and making its way back down as rain, the chemical isn't sort of, it's it's not going anywhere. It's literally staying within that sort of water vapour and then coming back down again. Yes, but yeah, precisely. Yeah, so they, they, they're, the other thing that we refer to PFAS as is um, mobile. So they are able to move very, very easily in the water course, mm. which just makes them even scarier. Persistent yeah. and mobile, yeah, it uh, becomes quite a scary combination. It does, doesn't it? I mean, you think of sort of plastics and it's this sort of almost this tangible thing. You can see it. You go to the beach, you see it. My mum's actually in Kos at the minute um, in Greece and she's um, she just texted me this morning saying it's just she didn't expect there to be so much plastic on the beach somewhere like Kos. Um, you know, and, and so it's something that's tangible and you can understand it and you can sort of, you know, you can take. I feel like we can make practical steps to reduce our plastic and whatnot. But this this chemical thing, it doesn't feel like it's it's talked about enough especially if it's if it's impacting things like the rain and the water that we drink surely that's then going to start having an impact on sort of our bodies yeah definitely I mean there are a lot of other um so I don't work specifically on the impacts on human health um but there are several other um charities as um chemtrust and fidra they they both do a lot of work on um the human impact um of being exposed to PFAS mm. I think that's a big thing, isn't it? I think a lot of people sort of not don't care perhaps about the ocean, but see it as a sort of it's over there. So how does it affect me? But I think if, if people start to realise the effect it's actually having on them personally, then I think as humans, they might start maybe paying a bit more attention. I'd like to think, but I'm not I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think I think as well, I think it's it's what's going to happen in future generations, future generations of people, but also of, of animals. And I mean, we've seen the we've seen impacts of other persistent chemicals, a group of chemicals called um, PCBs, and they were banned years and years ago. Um, but we're only really now seeing the true extent of the damage. And the UK killer whale population hasn't had a calf in 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 uh, decades, and you know they're they're being predicted to be completely collapse the entire population of UK killer whales because of this PCB contamination and I think we may not know the the true extent of the harm that PFAS contamination is doing until you know much much later generations Mm -hmm. I suppose that's the same with a lot of things. If you look at smoking, you know, it's and whatnot. And now vaping is the new thing, isn't it? And they're only just starting to sort of realise that that there may be and is, you know, are some harmful effects to vaping. Whereas a few years ago it was, oh, it's fine. It's the healthy alternative to smoking. And then you sort of realise later down the line the sort of the, the lasting impact. So I think it's quite... 
I, I it's really scary but it's so important to talk about so but obviously I don't want to just go doom and gloom I know it's really you know it's it's easy to just sort of focus on that but obviously you're working actively um with the Marine Conservation Society so what's what's being done what's what steps are being taken yeah so at the moment in we are planning and getting ready for our stop ocean poison campaign um which is focused on sort of chemical pollution overall but then with a kind of emphasis on PFAS pollution um so we are we're calling for a couple of things we we don't feel that the onus should be on the individual the consumer at all because mm-hmm. there's very there's very little if if nothing you can do to avoid your your PFAS use or you know exposure or release into the environment that that isn't that isn't something an individual should be tasked with so we we want a couple of things mainly from the government um we want a complete ban on all PFAS in what we call all non-essential uses so these are uses that aren't needed for health and safety of society um and then the other thing we want is a UK chemical strategy that is protective of the environment and of human health um so to to ensure that protecting the environment and protecting humans is at the top of the um of chemical usage in the UK yeah no absolutely so are there is there work going on into looking at sort of alternatives because obviously, yeah. you know, it's the same with plastic. I know if you provide people with an alternative, then they're quite likely to to go for it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And there there are alternatives. Obviously, I mentioned at the beginning that they are quite they're quite fascinating chemicals, really, um, in the sense that they can be both waterproof and greaseproof, mm. and and they can provide stain resistance. And you know, they they can do a lot of different things. Um, so I I don't know that there would be another chemical that could do all of those things or another group of chemicals that could do all of those things Mm. but it's looking at each individual use and deciding whether is it essential and then can can it be safer um i think that there's a real problem in with in the chemical kind of regulation sphere where we, we call it regrettable substitution but it's basically where a harmful chemical gets banned but then and then other chemicals start being used and then later down the line they realize actually this chemical was was just as bad if not worse than the one it was replacing yeah. so we we regret sub- substituting it basically <laughs> no absolutely so with, with your campaign sort of how's to, uh, I'd love to know sort of more about that sort of how's that going to look what are you you say you're calling for sort of the, the change and stuff but what does that look like sort of physically um, yes, yeah, so I think we're at the moment we're asking um, people to uh, email their MPs, um, and we we basically want the overall topic to just be people's radars a bit more. And and like you said earlier on, don't really talk about chemical pollution, or it's not it's not spoken about quite as much as plastic pollution and other and other things like that, or even climate change. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know if you've seen the planetary boundaries model where it, it shows the sort of all the different boundaries that we've got, like climate change and um, ocean acidification and um, pollution and things like that. And 
obviously when they exceed a planetary boundary it means that we're we're no longer operating in a safe space for the planet and yeah. chemical pollution has been shown to we're not operating in a safe space and we are emitting and producing too many harmful chemicals and causing too much pollution um but yeah it's not it's not being spoken about so i wonder why it's not being spoken about is it a case of sort of it's convenient i mean you know a lot of things with plastic and stuff is is it's because it's convenient so is it is it a matter of convenience is it a matter of cost is it a matter of sweep it under the rug worry about it later you know i don't i i can't understand why people aren't talking about it i think part of it is it's scary i Mm. think um i think it's it's difficult to understand because the the chemicals we're talking about they're not um what you might think you know ordinarily as a harmful chemical because you might think of arsenic or you know something like that a a poisonous chemical as being Mm -hmm. harmful and then when you're talking about something that's in your waterproof jacket or your cosmetic it's difficult to think that there would be these harmful chemicals something like that they don't they don't seem harmful Mm. um i think that's one element and then i think the other element is really difficult is the the fact they are invisible um and i think it becomes it almost separates you from from the topic because i think i don't know if that's why plastic gets such an emotive response because it you can see the harm it's causing directly and you can see the animals that it's impacting and then there's almost a disconnect when it comes to chemicals because you you can't see the molecules you can't see the individual compounds <laughs> um, they're, they're completely invisible no and I can't imagine if, I'm just imagining two campaigns next to each other of um say a dolphin swimming through you know a, a sea of plastic versus a, a notice to say that a polar bear has has a neurological condition caused by you know a PFAS chemical you you can see which one would be more sort of received and taken note of because that's the one that people can understand and it's tangible as I said and I think a lot of it is a lot of it comes down to communication and how it's communicated I think a lot of again I've said before in this podcast that you know if you make things too complex then people shut down to it because I know you know I've done it in lectures before you know at university when when you don't quite understand it your brain's quite likely to just go no (laughs) No, not paying attention to this. So I suppose it's all about sort of the communication and things. So how are you? How is the Marine Conservation Society? How are you? How is your team sort of going about communicating this issue to the general public? Yeah, so I mean, my my role um, with the whole sort of organisation and and with this campaign is is to kind of provide the science and to um, understand why it's a problem for us. And then to as well, I, I speak a lot with um with sort of government officials and and people like that and then um we have a a campaign a comms and campaigns team that kind of convert all my science ramblings into um into sort of tangible information that can be um yeah makes it a bit more interesting I guess um and we're hopefully going to have some some really good graphics and some you know something that make able to picture the the issue so that it's not an invisible issue anymore um and then um as well i think i think providing examples of of where it's causing harm and the fact that it's in rainwater all over the world you know i think i don't know about you but i always if you think drinking rainwater 
that must be the purest water you could possibly yeah. get your hands on before it's hit the ground and then and then to find out that actually through actions humans have taken we've contaminated we've contaminated that water we've contaminated ice you know the poles and we're contaminating animals that live miles from any sort of industrial activity and i think i think it's those bigger bigger stories that we need to be telling to to get across the the scale of this problem and, and the fact that even i think that there's a statistic out there somewhere or a fact out there that says even if we were to cease using all PFAS today and we you know, they just sort of get deleted from the earth the contamination would still be here for hundreds of years mm. and so we you know this is like a new baseline almost and we ju we're just adding to it wow yeah no so you just touched on what I, I was literally just thinking when you said about pure water and sort of rainwater being the purest water you always you always see adverts for glacial you know glacial water the purest glacial water but I was I was literally just going to ask you is it in is it sort of in the glaciers is it is it in the ice is that yeah yeah so th this is another problem that's sort of concerning scientists is that obviously with climate change and, and melting ice are we going to have a re-release of like almost like a secondary pollution event where the the chemicals have been captured in the ice and then when it melts, it then gets re-released, and actually we get a another kind of a second a second pollution event. Um, so yeah, it, I think there was there was another study as well where they were trying to find um, non-polluted um, um, communities in order as sort of like a baseline to then study against. Like I think it was a I believe it was a Canadian study. I might be wrong with that. Um, but and they were trying to find other populations that weren't contaminated with these chemicals mm -hmm. and, and they couldn't find them they, they, they could not find a non non-polluted wow <laughs> anything wow that just shows you shows the reach of it doesn't it yeah I mean if you, I mean how long have these chemicals been around like what are we how many years are we talking yeah. worth of not very long concerningly um so they were first the pfas chemicals specifically were first um manufactured in the 1950s i think just after the war mm. um and yeah so they you know in comparison to the length of time that humans have been here these chemicals have not been here very long at all <laughs> and the damage that they've done is already is significant in such a short relatively short time yes yeah precisely yeah they've they've infiltrated the entire environment um and they they are touching everything wow so i'm assuming so my again my knowledge of sort of rain and chemistry and all this stuff is very limited but i'm just thinking so when i used to live in wales and we used to spend time in sort of the the lakes that were up in the mountains and things and you think you were rural and far away from anything and and whatnot but i'm assuming that the chemical reach would have gone to there as well if it's coming down rain and yeah yeah, yeah. no but yeah like you said it's not leaving anything untouched and yeah yeah uh, you know all the pristine sort of water all around the world is is contaminated mm. 
which is yeah it's yeah it's hard to think about really isn't it when you when you put it like that um so enough enough doom and gloom enough doom and gloom what what you've said about you know you're you're campaigning for people to write to their mps and stuff but what can people actually be is there anything that we as individuals can be doing i know you said obviously with with everything it comes back to sort of the big corporations and sort of governmental policy and stuff but is there anything that we could be doing to sort of reduce our use or you know reduce our impact um from my point of view so I get asked this question quite a lot of Mm -hmm. you know what have what have I done since I found out about it what have I as a as an individual done to avoid my PFAS use and to be completely honest when I first learned about it I my first thought was I need to throw away all my Teflon pans and I need to you know check all my cosmetics I need to to do everything I can to avoid these chemicals and then I realized that they are they are everywhere they are literally everywhere not just in your products but they are everywhere in the environment and and I I don't say this to make you feel scared or to make you feel hopeless but I think the point I want to make is the the stress that could be caused by trying to remove all of your PFAS uses will literally be a drop in the ocean in comparison to what is already out there Mm -hmm. and instead i think we we should we should take the pressure off of ourselves this isn't this isn't a problem that we've have caused as individuals and therefore it's not a problem that we should have to solve as individuals i think the best thing from my point of view that people can do is start talking about it yeah and when people talk about it it puts pressure automatically becomes a topic of conversation it then puts pressure on the government and it puts pressure on industry to remove these chemicals and stop using the environment as a laboratory for all of these all of these chemicals and i think yeah it does feel doom and gloom and i i really i really try not to feel too gloomy about it um because i think there are things are happening slowly the eu committed um a couple of years ago in their a chemical strategy to to remove to ban all PFAS from all non-essential uses. Um, the US are making steps to to remove them. Individual brands as well are are removing them. And more and more you hear of um, certain brands, food packaging brands, and different things like that that are committing to completely getting rid of PFAS. And so things are happening, um, but we just need to make sure that they carry on happening. Mm-hmm. And that it doesn't happen with other chemicals because it's not it's not right that we that these chemicals are being put in our products unknowingly by us. Mm-hmm. And that we are, like you said, you know, we are contaminating by using them, but it shouldn't then be something that we have to sort out as individuals. No, I suppose that the, the change needs to come at the production level, because I suppose if you then if everyone went and threw away their waterproof coats and their pans and whatnot, then that's still, it's still there, isn't it? And that, that's still going to have an impact. So it needs to, yeah, it needs to come from the sort of the production level. Definitely. And, and legislation level as well. It needs to be so that there is, it is a rule. It is a, it is a a law that you cannot use these chemicals in, especially in consumer products. Um, But, but then as well in, in things that just aren't essential at all, things that, aren't needed for for the way society is 
It's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, I've, obviously, we're hearing a lot about the sewage pollution and stuff in the oceans at the minute, and I'm I'm very aware of it. Obviously, as a as a sea swimmer, I'm super aware of it. I've got the uh, Safer Seas app, and you know, I, I always keep up to date with sort of where's safe, you know, safe quote unquote to swim and whatnot. But there's not there's nothing to say sort of about the chemical levels in the in the oceans and things. And do do you think there should be, or is that just going a bit far, or is my brain reaching now and panicking? <laughs> um no and again I don't want to scare people you know we we are as as individuals we are exposed to these chemicals through through lots of different sources um the I I don't think the there should be sort of safety that I don't think there should be safety warnings it's it's much use pollution if you will so we are everywhere in the air the water everywhere but it's not a case with sewage pollution, obviously, that's very it can be very concentrated, obviously, when it's washing up on on shore. Um, but it's with a lot of these chemicals, it's much more it's much more diffuse. Um, obviously, they shouldn't be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if it would be necessary to have a yeah a sort of warnings, I guess, of of, of being in in certain areas. Yeah, and I think it's important that we we monitor for them and and test to see quite how high the levels are um because it's important obviously it's very easy what you don't know to to then ignore <laughs> yes definitely but i think so maybe in, in in instead of that then it's just as you said it's a case of talking to each other and making people aware of what's going on constantly Definitely. yeah Definitely. that's what that's, that's why I like to do this because it's sort of a, we're hearing about I mean I'm I'm learning so much through just doing this you know a few podcast episodes about about different different problems and I know when I did um the beach cleaning episode with Kirsty and Fion from the Marine Conservation Society and they were talking about um cigarette stubs being the most sort of you know one of the worst things for beach litter and that really surprised me because people don't you know you don't see that many people smoking you know anymore when you're out and about as as you used to do but it's clearly the impact from years ago that is still sort of having this reach today when you walk around the beach and I know just by knowing about that and talking about that to people I know people that have started picking them up you know if they see them when they're out and about on the floor my my kids always point them out to me they never pick them up but they, they you know they'll t- they'll say to me you know mommy there's a cigarette on the floor that's really bad and stuff so it's it's again just having that communication yeah yeah definitely I think I think there is a a concern that we're sort of there seems to be a lot of disasters when it comes to the environment and it, it kind of feels like oh there's there's climate and then there's pollution and then now and now you're saying there's chemical pollution I think maybe I think there's there may be an opinion that there's just one thing after another and I think it, it does feel like that but mm-hmm. then I think it's it's only because the you know we as humans are putting a lot of pressure on the environment in a lot of different weight aspects yeah. um and yeah it's I don't know it is it is scary it is very scary it is isn't it there's no way around it really there's no way to sort of brighten the fact that it is one thing after another because not enough change is happening I imagine no and and certainly not at the speed that we'd like to see Mm -hmm. um yeah we we want and we, we want much broader kind of regulation in place that that takes into account rather than just banning the chemicals one by one because that is the process that happens now in in kind of simplistic terms it's 
this, so that just to put it into perspective, this this group of PFAS chemicals, we're, we're talking thousands and thousands of different chemicals. And if if they were to be regulated one by one, which is kind of how it works at the moment, it would take it would take thousands of years and, and <laughs> millions of years. And that's without any more being introduced. And and so we want a much kind of broader approach to regulating these and looking at these chemicals in a much more kind of holistic way and saying, actually, persistent chemicals like these shouldn't really be allowed to get into the environment. So if where they get into the environment, that's not that's probably not going to be a good thing at some point in the future. So mm -hmm. that we should we should stop that from happening. <laughs> and I suppose as quickly as one gets banned, you then see an advert for oh, new technology, Gore-Tex waterproof sort of thing, don't you? And yeah, yeah. You're, you're seeing new ones appear, which I've never really thought about. Really, I've never really thought about that kind of thing being a new chemical being yes. added to the environment. Every time you see a new advert for a new I don't know stick proof pan you know or something it's it's a new one being added into the into the mix isn't it really yeah definitely and I think the language that's used by brands sometimes can make you feel like they're doing a good thing by removing okay so a good example of that is um, a lot of people probably have heard of BPA nowadays the BPA free mm -hmm. water bottles yes yeah um so that is a, a chemical obviously and it was it was because of human health impacts that um a lot of them got removed but in quite a few instances they would so that the BPA stands for bisphenol A and quite a few of them were just replaced with other bisphenols so very 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 similar chemicals but just not BPA so then they could say oh this this water bottle is BPA free but instead they're just using BPS instead or you know another and so then the language that's used is very is very because it makes people feel like they're they're doing a good thing and they're, and they're choosing a, a better product but in actual fact it, it's probably no not much better not much different no. no not at all so we've talked quite a lot about PFAS um and now my brain's whirring of like toilet cleaner and bleach and everything you know so uh, what else is, is not what else but are there other problems going on you're talking about different chemicals where does it end <laughs> Where does it end? Very good question. Yeah, I mean the, the the chemical industry is huge. It's 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 been predicted to double the number of chemicals that are being manufactured by 2050. I think um, it is it is such a huge huge area of of industry. And and to sort of caveat this by saying that chemicals aren't inherently bad and sometimes people say like chemical free and and mean it try and mean it in a good thing and, and chemicals aren't bad Ke chemicals are everything everything is made of chemicals like water is classed as a chemical you know it, it's because a chemical doesn't make it bad um mm -hmm. but there are a lot of pollutants they are bad they're things that shouldn't be in the environment generally man-made chemicals that have been released and they've got some sort of property about them, like like I said about the persistent, or they bioaccumulate in animals, or they're they're mobile, or things called um, endocrine disrupting chemicals, where they they impact the hormonal system of animals. And there's lots of different areas of different chemicals, and they all have sort of different impacts and different effects. And we don't work on lots of individual specific chemicals um but just looking overall at chemical pollution a real need 
to go you know we we are sort of out of time we have already crossed the planetary boundary for chemical pollution we need to stop you know this needs to be this needs to be halted before um there's significant harm and i think um the one of the main drivers of biodiversity loss has been attributed to chemical pollution it is you know it is such a huge problem um, mm -hmm. just overall and i think pfas is a good example to kind of to explain it in a very in a slightly more tangible way because you can see the you can understand that the pfas are in your products and then how they maybe get into the environment and then that they're causing harm mm -hmm. but there are yeah there, there is such a big problem um and that that is sort of that's where my work tries to uh, to influence yeah you know better protection of the environment from from these harmful chemicals i mean you often see don't you on the back of cleaning products the uh, the the that little familiar picture of the dead fish in the test tube the environmental damage symbol um yeah which i always look at them and think what why why is that on sale do you know what i mean like yeah. If if it, if it has to have that warning that it's damaging to the environment, then why is it got why is it on sale in the sh on the shelves? Which it just baffles me. But when we talk about sort of broader chemicals and stuff, my mind is now whizzing over to sort of chemical um, disposal. Um, and you know, you hear stories of chemicals being dumped in in waterways and stuff. Is that an, is that a big problem? Um, I mean, anything being dumped into you know waterways mm. is 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 never a good thing mm. um that that's obviously all rivers lead to the sea and you know and not just that obviously river life is affected and, and much more highly impacted by things like um any chemical dumping i don't i don't know of any examples specifically i'm sure i'm sure there are examples um i don't i don't work on anything like that specifically so obviously we've talked about the problem we know about the problem now and you know the message to people is to just go away and talk about it and be aware of it and make others aware of it but um in terms of your, your campaign and stuff how can people get involved how, how a bit more how how can they find out about it and what can you tell us about um specifically like the campaign yeah, so the campaign's due to launch on the 10th of October. Um, so, and it's called Stop Ocean Poison. Um, and like I said earlier, it's it's sort of looking at chemical pollution overall um, with a bit of an emphasis and a bit of a focus on PFAS, similar to kind of how I've talked about it in this podcast. Um, share it on social media if you see it, talk about it, write to your MP when the, we, uh, we've got some templates coming out and and just raise it with if you if you have close ties to businesses raise it with businesses just raise it with anyone and every any anyone you can yeah. um and and also you know i i'm always i i understand that it is a, a complex topic and i am always open to answer questions um, so you can obviously direct them to mcs and they'll, they'll come through to me um but yeah i i want to i want to help people understand if they want to understand or be able, I want people to be able to talk about it and yeah. understand that you know why it's a problem but also why it, it's not something that we need to be terrified obviously it is terrifying but why you as an individual don't need to be stressed about it we just need to make sure we do something and that yeah we make governments do something mm -hmm. no absolutely and when you just said then about you know a leading cause of biodiversity loss being chemicals you know it, it's thrown up the climate change is thrown at us and sort of plastic pollution is thrown at us but it's 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 as if it's completely being ignored 
because I don't yeah. remember ever seeing anything sort of about chemical pollution being a, a loss you know of all, of, of all the research I've done throughout you know like my degree and my writing and stuff I, I I'm trying to throw my mind back and see if I've ever seen you know chemicals being attributed to health problems in animals and biodiversity loss and I really can't can't think of any examples no. oh I know I mean it's we shouldn't be looking at them as as individual um as individual topics they're so interconnected and the um the climate is obviously impacting species animals are being made less resilient and much more vulnerable to the impacts of the climate of climate change by the chemical pollution that's in their body and then vice versa you know the the climate's getting rid of habitats for certain species and then that then is making them less resilient to chemical pollution impacts and it's sort of a vicious cycle and everything is everything is hugely interconnected yeah no exactly I mean we talk about a circular process in terms of recycling and stuff but no one mentions the sort of the negative side of these kinds of circular processes where you know it's chemicals going into the water coming back down as rain affecting everything that happens to drink and breathe and yeah it's 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 a big thing and I think that's probably a, a big reason why people are uh, put off talking about the topic it's because it's a big it's a big thing it's that kind of well what can I do about it you know it's 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 scary to people but I think just by talking about it and I love that you said you know that you're creating templates for people to use because I think any way to break down barriers and make things accessible for people so if there's a letter they can literally download and send to their MP, then people are probably more likely to do it than they have to sit and write it themselves and think of it. And, you know, it becomes more of a it becomes more of a thought exercise rather than just a, a practical. Let's do this. So I love that um, with part of your campaign, you're, you're actually actively making it easy for people to get involved. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's always, you know, information on, on our website about it and, you know, kind of easy to digest short mm-hmm. snippets of information so that you can kind of use that information if you want to approach businesses or government you know in your own in your own kind of capacity um but yeah any anything that's i've mentioned will hopefully be on the website so um it should brilliant. be easy to find brilliant well i think we'll leave it there because i think we could talk about this for ages but i think um i think that's probably enough for people to sort of start with and get people thinking and hopefully if you're listening to this episode then you'll go away and chat to somebody about it and just raise awareness which is why i think we're we're kind of here no thank you very much for uh, for having me it's been uh, it's been good to good to chat about it and hopefully i've uh, i've not made it too not made it too scary or science sciencey you've made it relevant and uh important and tangible i think that tangible is going to be the key word for today so <laughs> thanks francesca thank you i think there's a lot to reflect upon there and we need to be able to process it i think there's a there's a danger of that be that conversation being taken as a doom and gloom conversation but I really think it is such an important conversation to have had and I know that I learned so much from talking to Francesca it really is so important that we use this as an opportunity we're at a strange point in our history where nature is directly under threat from those who claim to lead and organizations are pulling together to take action and this is your chance to take action too Francesca mentioned a new Marine Conservation Society campaign which you may have seen across social media being promoted by the wonderful Ocean Ambassadors. 
You can join the Stop Ocean Poison campaign by signing the petition, which is linked in the description of this episode. The petition calls for the urgent publication of a UK chemical strategy that prioritises the protection of the environment and bans all PFAS from non-essential use. Together, our voices can be so loud, so let's use them. I'm Charlie, and this has been Mountain Conversations.